talk about Tom Brady. I know. Getting some Brady fatigue. It's been 20 years. I think Troy Aikman said it right, though. He's not not going to say he's playing the best he's ever played, but he's playing as good as he's ever played. Becomes the 18th quarterback to throw for 2,000 yards in his first six games. He's done it twice before. He's, he's two of those 18 quarterbacks. And it really is amazing. Passes up a few big names on there. 2,000 yards in the first six games. It's only been done 18 times. The most is Kurt Warner, year 2000. That middle year, that Rams greatest show on turf, like 2,200, 2,250. Second most in 2013, Peyton Manning, Broncos. The eventual record holder of most passing yards in a season. Uh, had 2,179 through six games. And remember that? How old Peyton Manning felt second year as a Denver Bronco? He was 37. Seven years younger than the Tom Brady we just watched demolish the Philadelphia Eagles, at least in the first half, and then finish him off in the fourth quarter. Man, Brady, it's just, he's on pace for the most passing yards. I'm like, what? Oh, man. Passing up, uh, 2002, Rich Gannon, 2018, Big Ben, passing up their pace for 94, Drew Bledsoe. Just one more FU to Drew Bledsoe, I guess. Took care of the Eagles. And is it me, or does Jalen Hurts just suck? (laughs) I'm sorry. Every time I watch a primetime game, and maybe I'm just a primetime simpleton, but every time I watch Jalen Hurts, it's not a football game. It's not a football game. The team he's on is getting blown out and losing, and he's getting praised for bringing them back when they're down by 21 or 28 or 35. I've watched him in Alabama, Oklahoma versus LSU, Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football versus the Cowboys, Thursday Night Football tonight versus the Buccaneers. His accuracy sucks. His garbage time stats are great. His accuracy sucks. He's going to run the ball, keep the fantasy players happy but his anticipation sucks he's so slow to make a decision i just don't think he's an nfl quarterback don't like watching jalen hurts it ruins the game you just don't he's got no chance he's not going to compete with tom brady the only thing that kept him in it is the fourth down that they i mean okay jalen hurts started doing good after he's down 21 congratulations to him i love the philadelphia fans (laughs) They want the Eagles to run the ball. They really do. I loved hearing the fan. They cheered so loud for Miles Sanders' second carry of the game, which, in their defense, was late in the third quarter. Miles Sanders gets his second carry of the game. It's a handoff on the third and three that Sanders picks up. And they were cheering like, like they just scored a touchdown. And then... Brady and Arians go for this fourth down. They're, down. they're up by 14. They go for this fourth down mid-fourth quarter. 
They don't get it. A strangely deep target to O.J. Howard. And then there's back-to-back Miles Sanders runs, 23 yards, 14 yards. And the crowd just got going. Man, did they get going. And then Hertz got to pass the ball and threw it, you know, errantly over somebody's head. And the, and the crowd booed. The Eagles came back only in the sense that they made Tom Brady play to the end of the game. Antonio Brown, 9 for 93. And was it just me or is Antonio Brown really excited to make plays tonight? He's going nuts even after casual first downs. I mean, this is a guy who's led the league in, in yardage multiple times. He was just pumped tonight. Buccaneers take care of the Eagles. Hey, they all can't all be winners in primetime. Muckleteal Football Show, episode number 17. It shows just football everything, NFL history, legacy, the ups and downs of the season, sprinklings of fantasy football. Uh, follow us at MUK foot underscore football, at MUK underscore football on Twitter. Subscribe, share, and review on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we have shows Monday after Monday Night Football and Thursday after Thursday Night Football. And we're going to preview week six tonight. But I also want to take a look back at the last five weeks. Five weeks of a 17-game season. The prestigious, venerated, nostalgic, 29.4% check-in. I love the 29.4% check-in. <laughs> I'm still mad about the 17-game schedule. <laughs> Just, it's gonna dil- It'll dilute the, the, the season stats. It'll set further seasons. It'll set them ajar from all, all the uh, 76 to 2020 is going to be one era, and everything that happens now won't be directly comparable to that huge chunk of time with so many legendary names. Be one game off. But one nice thing has been the scheduling for the 17-game season. For whatever reason, there's no bye weeks in the first five weeks, which means after five weeks, every team has played five games, making a really good 29.4% checkpoint. And, and bye weeks are coming now. 49ers, Falcons, Jaguars got byes, but making this... You know, the tough uh, time of the year, mid-season, when we start comparing stats, but not really acknowledging who has one more game than the other. I just always There's always these disingenuous tweets, which are just like, Tyreek Hill has eight touchdowns, while Debo Samuel has seven touchdowns. No mention the fact that Tyreek Hill played one more game than Debo Samuel. No mention. It's not mentioned. <laughs> but that we're not in that time, because all teams have played five games. I guess the Buccaneers and Eagles have played six, but disregard that game for this 29.4% check-in. And I just want to look at not projecting forward, but just what has happened in these five games. Who's the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Best Running Back, Best Receiver, as if it was a five-game season. Not, not projecting forward, but who, who am I giving these awards to in this chunk of five games as if it was the season? Let's start with MVP, and we'll go MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Top Running Back, Top Receiver. MVP, which is basically top quarterback, top quarterback on a winning team, you, you could make the argument for. Kyler Murray, 
Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson all have to be considered here. Tom Brady needs to be considered here. Maybe it's recency bias because of week five, but I really wanted to give this to Lamar Jackson. (laughs) But he had some struggles early on. He did have some dud halves. I mean, kind of three out of his five games, he didn't play well in at least one full half. Uh, So I couldn't quite give it to him. Justin Herbert has been great, super consistent. But I got to give the 29.4% MVP to Kyler Murray. He's got a 75% completion rate. He's doing it with this elite scrambling, just this Madden create a player speed out there. He's just amazing right now. And, And it is not just scrambling. It's deep bombs, deep accuracy over the shoulder, surrounded by weapons. It's a big part of being an MVP, surrounded by great weapons. Does he make them or do they make him? I don't know. But DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, Chase Edmonds, A.J. Green is in Arizona. Varied weapons. A collection of different types of weapons. Got to give it to Kyler Murray. Got to give it to Kyler Murray, the 29.4% MVP. Defensive player of the year, Miles Garrett of the Cleveland Browns. First off, he decorated his house with the graves of quarterbacks. Burrow. Kyler, Herbert, Justin Fields, grave on, the, on Miles Garrett's front lawn there. After the game Justin Fields had against Miles Garrett, he may legitimately be buried. He may legitimately be buried in that yard. Nice plots. After that nine-sack game, 4.5 sacks in the Chicago game were Jason Garrett, or Jason Garrett, Miles Garrett. He also has sacks on Mahomes, sacks on Kirk Cousins, sacks on Justin Herbert. Garrett, he's been elite off the edge, not just the big plays, but just consistently changing the geometry of the field. Matthew Judon, Joey Bosa also deserve some consideration here. Tons of headlines for the rookies. Garrett's teammate on the Browns, Jeremiah Owase-Koromoa, J-O-K. And Dallas rookie Micah Parsons, a lot, lot, a lot of uh, headlines. And it is unfortunate. Defensive player of the year is about headlines. But Garrett, he's a play-by-play game changer with production. This award, he's due for this award. He's only not gotten it. Sure, Aaron Donald has been great. But Miles Garrett has played good enough to be considered for this award two years in a row. Two years ago, he was on pace, but he uh, used Mason Rudolph's helmet to beat the unhelmeted head of Mason Rudolph. Wasn't cool. And then um, got hurt last year, so missed missed some time. So I'm excited to give the 29.4% Defensive Player of the Year to Miles Garrett. Now, the 29.4% Rookie of the Year. Now, this is a tough one because I'm a real firm and cynical uh, believer that the rookie of the year goes to any quarterback who can just who can just not fail. Because I still can't get over Dak Prescott over Ezekiel Elliott in 2016. I, just baffled me. Basically, any quarterback who can start the season. But I don't know that any of the quarterbacks can get this rookie of the year. Mac Jones started week one. 
showing understanding. Patriots people are saying that he's running the offense for a rookie. That's about all you can ask. He's got the full playbook at his hands, but when he's been asked to press and play from behind, he he hasn't quite got there. Um, I think there's flashes of it. I think Mac Jones is going to be a good starter in this league, and he's got a great situation as well with uh, Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. Justin Fields came in for injured Andrew Dalton. A lot of trouble. A lot of trouble there. Uh, that first game against the Browns. But he has bounced back with some big-time throws against Lions. So we're going to go ahead and see. <laughs> we're going to see what that levels out as. Trevor Lawrence, first overall pick, threw seven interceptions the first three games. He has had some tough times, showed some of the promise, especially lately. Played good enough to win that Thursday night football against Joe Burrow. Both Fields and Lawrence, it feels like the offense or the coaching may be holding them back. That is, that is entirely possible. Zach Wilson has been a disaster. League leading nine interceptions. So, although I think Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, maybe even Trey Lance, that they put together a streak to win the actual rookie of the year. Because it's just, if a quarterback does good, a quarterback's going to win it. But none of the quarterbacks have done good enough to oust Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase. 456 yards, five touchdowns, the fifth overall pick, seventh in receiving yards through five games. And when, when Chris Berman does his fastest three minutes and he shows one play from every game, the one play highlight, and he's doing it, I would say Chase has like four out of five of the Bengals represented plays. <laughs> he's got touchdowns of 50, 42, 34, and 70. In a five-game season. Jamar Chase has been the real deal. It's looking fabulous out there. Top running back. Well, that's got to be Derrick Henry. There's no competition on this one. Derrick Henry continuing his astounding pace that never ends. Count me among the doubters slowly converted. <laughs> I said at some point Henry will fade. And. I still had, you know, a 40-game memory of what Derrick Henry used to be. He was just this soft running back splitting time with Tamar Harris, this giant running back who'd get tackled by corners one-on-one, -on -one, 2016, 2017, the first three quarters of 2018. Derrick Henry is bordering on a bust. Most people were not impressed. In his first 43 games, he averaged 49 yards a game. Then that Jaguars Thursday night football, <laughs> week 14, 2018, the 99-yard run. And then a stellar 2019, a 2,000-yard 2020. And now here he is in 2021, five games in. He's again on pace for one of the great running back yardage seasons of all time. This time he's doing a little bit more in the passing game. 125 yards receiving already more than he had in 2020. 125 yards receiving this year. He had 206 in 16 games in 2019. Henry's on a yards for scrimmage pace right with the very best seasons. The Titans, 83 Eric Dickerson, 2000 Marshall Falk, 2003 Jamal Lewis. Henry has the 15th most yards all time through five games. Quietly, fairly quietly. Another great season in store, it appears. Certainly enough 
to win top RB in my 29.4% awards. We may have to have an episode just on Derrick Henry's three-year stretch here compared to the historic names, the Hall of Fame names. I think it's going to compare favorably. I think it's going to compare favorably. Derrick Henry has just been unbelievable. Last award, top wide receiver. Honorable mentions a lot because this is a tough one. Wide receiver is always, always tough. Mike Williams leading the league. Chargers receiver, six touchdowns. Debo Samuel for the 49ers. Very fun to watch. You know, he's one of my favorites. Tyreek Hill had some huge games. And, of course, is, is, is uh, a key part of that juggernaut Chiefs offense, which hasn't been terrible. <laughs> Cooper Cup averaging 100 yards per game. All three of them. Debo, Tyreek, Cooper Cup averaging 100 yards per game through five games. Debo and Tyreek, though, they're really just two good games and three low to medium games. Cooper Cup plays a slot. I just, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but I just, I can't give a slot receiver more credit than an outside receiver. It's just so much easier. I have this thing with Juju Smith-Schuster as well. It's just so much easier to play slot receiver than it is to play outside receiver. It's hard for me to ever give them any credit based on if it's close. Tiebreaker. Top receiver I'm going to give to Packers. Receiver Devontae Adams. Leading the league in yards, 579. Had his 206-yard game, of course, over the Bengals last Sunday. It was insane. He's got two other 100-yard games. For all the talk about Aaron Rodgers bouncing back after week one, he's still relying... (laughs) on Devontae Adams to be elite. And Adams is doing so. It's close. It's close. I would not argue with Tyreek, with Debo, with Mike Williams in this category for top receiver, but I'm giving it to Devontae Adams. All right, let's dive into a couple games from week six here and then get out of here. We'll be back on Monday. Chargers versus Baltimore. Two of the hottest quarterback names in the league. Lamar Jackson. Justin Herbert, this is a ton of fun. To the smartest teams in the league, Brandon Staley, John Harbaugh. You can almost pretend this is the playoffs because the Ravens beat the Colts, Chargers beat the Browns. Both the Chargers and the Ravens have beaten the Chiefs in this young season. It's going to be interesting to see what the Ravens' defense does against Justin Herbert. Wink Martindale, Baltimore defense coordinator, well, how will he handle him? You know, because we've seen, we've seen, we've, the Ravens blitz. They blitz, 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 and they overwhelm. But we've seen them go take the safer, more conservative treatment against Pat Mahomes. We saw that in week two. Is Justin Herbert there? Is he at that level? Are they going to show him that treatment? Or are they going to blitz, blitz, blitz? My advice would be to show Justin Herbert the Mahomes treatment. But Wink Martindale. He knows what he's talking about. He said, Justin Herbert, this is a great quote. Wink Martindale, (laughs) Ravens defense coordinator, said that Justin Herbert is one of those guys who could throw a strawberry through a battleship. (laughs) That is a great quote. I'm not sure exactly what he's going for there. Are we talking? Did someone follow up? Follow up and say, hey, are you talking like World War I? 
like World War One or Two Americana, you know, like this guy comes from the strawberry fields and he, he could just launch the strawberries into these metal battleships coming over from Germany or Japan. He could do real damage just with the strawberries from the good American soil. Or is he talking about space? Because a strawberry in space versus that type of battleship throws a strawberry in space, it's frozen, there's no wind resistance, it could penetrate. Though if my sci-fi uh, knowledge is uh, to be understood, there'd certainly be some sort of shield system. But uh, Justin Herbert, whether through the World War systems of the early 20th century or in space, is one of those guys who could throw a strawberry through a battleship. Lamar Jackson also coming off a great game. By far his most impressive game through the air against the Colts on Monday Night Football. And they're going deep. They are going deep. I remember an article in June that said, Ravens focusing on throwing the ball deep. And I am a cynical guy. I'm thinking that is just to appease the fans. You know, the fans who don't want to watch yet another elite rushing season, but then an easy bounce out of the playoffs, you know. But they've really done it. They've really done it. They have attacked deep, not just Hollywood Brown, but a lot of targets for a lot of players. And they're getting Rashad Bateman back. I don't know if it's this week. I'll have to check on that. But Jackson and Herbert's got arms. Smart teams. This is going to be a great battle. Ravens are favored by two and a half. I think I will take the Chargers on this. First, they got an extra day rest. Your Ravens played on Monday. They also have the more consistent offensive line. You know, they have not had the halves like Lamar Jackson has had. They have the more consistent defense as well with the better pieces. So I'm going to go with the Chargers on this. And the Ravens' luck has got to be running out here. <laughs> what a season. What a wild five games for the Ravens. I don't know if you could, I mean, I don't, maybe some of those Seahawks early seasons, because they had a lot of like heartbreak and heart uh, palpitation games uh, back when we were going for the Super Bowl there, 2013, 2014. But I don't know if you could, this is for entertainment value. The Ravens have been playing an entertaining season. Arizona Cardinals, Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. Kyler Murray, the 5-0 Cardinals coming into Cleveland. They're coming off their worst offensive performance as well against the, the 49ers. Though, I don't know that we've talked yet at all about Arizona's defense. Considered to be, by pretty much everyone, a liability, a problem. One of the reasons he drafted Kyler Murray in fantasy football is because Arizona's defense wasn't supposed to be good. But it has been fairly good. Defense coordinator Vance Joseph has allowed 19 points per game. Got J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones on the edge. Isaiah Simmons shaking off some of that early uh, worry. When Kyler has a, a lesser game, though, he's got a what every bad quarterback, not saying he's a bad quarterback, but every struggling quarterback. Kyler Murray is a good quarterback, but any quarterback who's in trouble what do you want? You want DeAndre Hopkins. That's what you want. That's basically all Kyler had and all he needed in the win over San Francisco. They were struggling, and he had DeAndre Hopkins. When they get it going, they've got everybody. Meanwhile, Baker Mayfield's been shaky in media narrative. People are really worried about Baker Mayfield. 
But the Browns offense is not not shaky. It is a stable driving force. <laughs> Great offensive line. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both battling through injuries. We'll see what their practice reports are tomorrow. But the Browns are still very much what they were last year in the run game. They are dominant going down there, and the passing game benefits from it, just as the run game can benefit from a great passing game. It's Kyler versus Baker. Two back-to-back Oklahoma quarterback Heismans. Back-to-back years, 2007-2018 under Lincoln Riley. And they both got drafted number one overall. But Kyler and Baker have played before. Uh, it was Kyler's rookie year, Baker's second year, uh, in Arizona, I think it's week 15, maybe week 14. I know it was the fantasy playoffs because that was the game that Kenyon Drake had four touchdowns and the Cardinals destroyed the Browns. Surely fantasy players will recall. It's interesting to me that Baker and Kyler, they don't have like animosity between them. seems like they got along well in Oklahoma. They don't really shy away from praising each other in what I think is an authentic way. Not like what Oklahoma has going on there right now with Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams. But, hey, that's all irrelevant both now and then. Browns favored by three at home. This is a great game. I'm going to take Cleveland and the points. To Cleveland to cover three. I think the Arizona Magic is, is on its way out. And Kyler, he's unstoppable while healthy, but he's not healthy right now. He's not healthy right now. He's missing practice. So we will, uh, we will see what he looks like. But I'm going to go ahead and take the Browns at home. Sunday Night Football, Seahawks at Pittsburgh. I'm so glad we got our revenge. Um, I'll never forget the 2016 game in which we Gave up a lot of passing yards to Big Ben, but we demolished them with an 80-yard touchdown to Doug Baldwin. I remember just feeling my demons exercised after the 2005 Super Bowl. We, we punched Roethlisberger down, and we sent him out of, out of well, I don't know if it was Quest, CenturyLink, or Lumen Field at the time. Maybe you could stop changing your name, Stadium. I guess it's the insurance company that's changing the name, but Russell Wilson will not be playing. And it wasn't an illegal hit. Aaron Donald got in there. Wilson's hand, you know, hit it. We, we've seen hand injuries from Stafford and Brady as well. Just over the years, you know, quarterbacks, they just, they're, it's a part of their motion, and they hit a helmet of a player who's penetrating. And Aaron Donald is a player who's penetrating often. But this, is, this primetime game is an example why we have all these rules protecting quarterbacks. Not that this hit was illegal, but does anyone care about this game? You know, you can complain and complain and complain about every roughing the passer and all the quarterback protections, and yeah, it can go too far on a case-by-case basis because it is an imperfect system. But it's better than these quarterbacks getting hurt because a quarterback getting hurt ruins games. It ruins games. Now, there is some backup intrigue. Geno Smith comes in. Hasn't really got a chance in the NFL since uh, he was drafted in 2013. Got his shot with the Jets. Did not impress. The Jets dropped him, and he never really got another shot. And the 2013 quarterback class is the worst quarterback class in NFL history. Maybe Geno Smith and Mike Glennon can do something to, to, uh, to change that around. Because it seemed like they were both done, but now they both should be starting this week. So we'll see what happens. 
Steelers side, Big Ben, is he back? Is he back? Great game against Denver last week. Chase Claypool, 130 yards and a touchdown. Gosh, he looked good when he's on. Deontay Johnson, also great. Big Ben has always had fantastic wide receivers. And throughout his career, he has alternated hurting them and helping them by peppering them with targets. Antonio Brown thanked Ben Roethlisberger for his career, and as he should. If there's one thing that Ben Roethlisberger does, it's he throws to his best players. He does not care about that wide receiver three, that wide receiver four, that wide receiver five. I don't care what you're doing. I'm throwing to my good player. Not very, uh, not very like Rivers, fellow classmate, or, or Brady or Manning who, who just find the open guy. Ben is going to pepper Claypool and he's going to pepper Deontay Johnson, especially now that Juju Smith-Schuster is out for the year, which sucks. Um, and all of this passing game work came seemingly as it always does in tandem with the running game. Najee Harris getting his first 100-yard rushing game for the Steelers last week. First 100-yard rushing game the Steelers have had since early last season. I think the Steelers will win, favored by five. I don't think the Seahawks are anything without Russell Wilson, who covered up so much, and I think we're about to see it. My perspective as a Seahawks fan is this is the test case. This is this is the uh, the control group. What's life like without Russell Wilson? Is it worth it? Is his contract worth it? I still expect the Seahawks to cover the five because there's nothing. If nothing, if a Pete Carroll's team can't do anything, it's keep a game close. <laughs> they'll keep the game close. <laughs> they'll probably just lose, but. Uh, They'll keep it close. So I'm going to say Steelers win. Seahawks cover that five. All right. Thank you, everybody. Follow us at MUK underscore football on Twitter. Subscribe, share, review on Apple, Spotify, or Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good night. Thank you.